Barnaby Joyce here, the federal member for New England. I'm calling on behalf of the Foundation for Human Development about the abortion bill in the New South Wales Parliament. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian has caved in to Conservative MPs delaying an upper house vote on whether to decriminalise abortion. We are in a democracy, people are able to express their views and uh, that's exactly uh, what I expect people to do. Anti-abortion protesters have staged a late night rally outside New South Wales Parliament. Thousands gathered at Sydney's Martin Place, holding aloft crosses, pictures of Jesus and signs saying, stand for life. It was a person. It was a person. I'm Jesse Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Holly Wainwright. And you're listening to a bonus episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud, which is all about the abortion debate in New South Wales. Why are we talking about this again and why should you care about it if you don't live in New South Wales? Well, New South Wales is the last state in Australia that still has abortion as a criminal act. There is a bill to decriminalise it to make sure that it is not a criminal offence to have an abortion. That two weeks ago when we talked about it on the show was widely presumed that it was going to go through and quickly pass both the lower and upper houses in New South Wales Parliament. That has not turned out to be the case. This week, if you lived in Sydney, you might have looked up on Sunday and seen the words choose life being written in the sky above you. I was. I was driving with my kids and my little boy was trying to spell it out and we were going, oh, I wonder what that is. That was a pro-life protest. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know that. I didn't I saw know it that. Too. I, could, I did not put two and two together. I didn't together. know that. On Tuesday, there was a large, large protest of pro-life demonstrators in Sydney CBD hosted and rallied by Barnaby Joyce. It was a person. It was a person's heart. And that person has rights. That person does not deserve to die in the corner of a room if it's born alive. It deserves to be saved. It deserves to be fought for. It deserves to be loved. On the same day, on Tuesday this week, Barnaby Joyce's voice started robo-calling voters in New South Wales, urging them to urge their MPs to vote against the decriminalisation bill. Barnaby Joyce here, the federal member for New England. I'm calling on behalf of the Foundation for Human Development about the abortion bill in the New South Wales Parliament. This allows sex-selective abortions. It legalises abortion for any reason right up until the day of birth. Can we just talk about the hypocrisy of that for a second? Barnaby Joyce is someone who has made questionable choices in his own private life. He had an affair with one of his staffers. He's the father of four children with his former wife, Natalie. He went on to have a baby with Vicky and two babies, actually. That's up to him. I believe that that is between him and his wife, except when he's trying to get involved in the lives of women and our bodies and our choices to live the lives that we want to live. And the fact that he's sticking his nose in this, he's not a Member of Parliament for New South Wales. This is none of his business, quite literally. He's not only sticking his nose in, he's sticking his neck out really far on this issue. So at the rally, he talked about how wonderful it was to see so many people of faith protesting about pro-life in New South Wales. He urged support and he also rallied them by saying the New South Wales government has no idea the fight they've got on their hands here. If they thought that the Greyhound debate, which was another debate when the New South Wales government banned Greyhound racing for a while and there was a big grassroots upsurge against that, he says they've got no idea what they're going to face with this. So he is throwing out the red meat. He is going really hard on this issue, which is fascinating. Do you think he really believes it or is it just politics? Yeah. Because... 
I think he does. I think that this has become a very faith-based argument. It's become about religious freedom in a way that Israel Folau and his comments kind of played into. It feels like there was same-sex marriage that was lost and this is the new same-sex marriage for people who want to cling to sort of their religious freedom in inverted commas. Which is so fine. If you are opposed to abortion, if you believe that it is all sorts of bad things, don't have one. But if I don't share your view, don't tell me what to do with my body and do not legislate about what I can and can't do with my body. And what's so deeply disturbing about this is the way that deliberately misinformed lies are being used about what this bill is. You know, Barnaby Joyce is saying things like a full-term baby can be aborted just before the day it was born. Now, that is just not true. I think these arguments are really important and I would always advocate for free speech. But what bothers me here is that it has become so much about feelings and fear and not about evidence. So if you want to use evidence, I'll listen. But if you start saying that you think babies are going to start being chosen based on sex selection and there is no evidence anywhere in the world that legislating abortion would lead to that, then you've just completely lost me. And the same for late-term abortions. There has been a lot of research done, not only in Australia, but overseas about what happens when abortion becomes legal. And that isn't one of them. So the sex selection argument has really come up in the last week or two, which really has racist underpinnings. It's suggesting that immigrants in particular will choose a baby boy over a baby girl. It kind of speaks back to the one child policy. There was this research done which suggested that maybe more boys were being born than girls, but really they had no way of finding out why. And now this has just been used as this ridiculous argument as to why we've got to really be careful with abortion because women are going to start choosing one gender over the other. This is a very, very popular tactic everywhere in the world. It's an anti-abortion playbook, isn't it? exactly right. It's rule number one. Let's take this out so that everyone gets really scared. So seeds of doubt. Yeah, and it's almost like you're suggesting that this is going to become eugenics, that we're going to start being very selective about who and who cannot be born. I think that that's exactly why we decided to put this episode together today is because the debate, if we can call it a debate, has been very much hijacked in recent weeks by exactly what you two were just saying, by the abortion playbook that has been playing out in the US and other Mm, places. Deliberate misinformation campaigns. Exactly. Fear-mongering. Because it is very, very hard to get people to march in the streets in support of in inverted commas, murdering babies. Nobody wants to be supporting murdering babies. And so it's an easy hijack to make if you're on the pro-life side of the debate to go to that. So do you mean that they frame it in those terms, the anti-abortion lobby, frame it in the murdering babies terms so that anyone who opposes it is wedged into being perceived as supporting that? Yes. I don't think it's a sexy cause to get behind. But I mean, I, I, uh, look, I, I don't know whether it's about sexy or unsexy. I think that the reason we have seen so much outspoken, you know, robocalls from Barnaby Joyce and people marching in the street opposing this legislation is that this is a really private thing. Yes. When women have abortions, 
you know, some of us are comfortable putting up a hand and saying, yes, I'm a criminal as, as far as the New South Wales criminal code goes. I have had two abortions. I regret neither of them. Do I want to dance in the street and celebrate them? No. But am I really glad that I was able to access them safely? Yes, because otherwise I would have been attached to two men who were unspeakably awful. They were abusive in different ways and my life would have taken a very different course. But I think that the other thing is that that this demonization of late-term abortions, the women who have late-term abortions are among the most traumatized members of the community because of what they've had to undergo. The reason that women have late-term abortions is because the, the babies are so um, incompatible with life. They have disabilities that are incompatible with life and either the baby's life is in danger or the mother's life is in danger. It is an incredibly rare thing. It's something like, what is it, 1% oh, of yeah, all terminations? Yeah. And those women don't want to be speaking out and telling everybody why it's so important that that, that legal right be maintained. I think it, that's why it's so important to have these conversations because I think that even the pro-choice lobby if you like is a little bit divided about the way that you're supposed to talk about abortion now I've always found this quite difficult that you either have to say that it is as I said before in inverted commas murdering babies or you have to say it was no bigger deal than going and getting a pap smear I didn't even think about it again that was that and those seem to be the two acceptable positions on abortion now one in three Australian women has had an abortion and I'm one of them also of course Mia as we've discussed previously now I think that within that statistic the spectrum of how women feel about the abortions they had the reasons that they had them what the experience was like how they view it in hindsight is enormously complex and nuanced and emotional and caught up in different things maybe it was just like going for a pap smear for you or maybe it was a really heart-wrenching decision maybe somebody else pressured you into it maybe you didn't really want to do it for a million reasons the thing that always staggers me is that statistic about how actually in Australia the the group of women who are most largely having abortions are mothers Mm. now that wasn't the case for me I wasn't a mother when I had two abortions when I was younger but I'm not surprised by that statistic because nobody knows what it takes to raise a person and the most enormous commitment that it is other than mothers and for a lot of people if you are not in the right situation to be doing that if you mothers know what that takes Mm. and if you're not in the right situation to be doing that either the age that you're at the relationship you're in your financial resources your mental health your physical health your family circumstances that is an enormous undertaking that doesn't always end well and of course I'm not suggesting that people in those situations should not have babies of course there are lots of stories that show that they do have babies and and things are fine but Nobody understands what it takes more than a mother, which really brings that statistic to me into close focus and brings it to life. And I think that we need to have some room for nuance in this conversation because when we talked about it the last time on the show, the three of us are pro-choice and Mama Mia as an organization is a Mm. pro-choice organization. That doesn't mean that we celebrate abortion and think that it's a wonderful thing, but we think that the choice to have it is a fundamental right for women in Australia and that's why we take this position. But there has to be some room for experiences and discussion around that because I think that's one of the things that breaks this debate down into these really black and white 
who shouts the loudest and the people who are winning that debate at the moment are the people who are waving around the photos of fetuses rather than the women who are saying, look, it's complicated, but it's also incredibly important. I don't think that the complexity of abortion can be summed up in a placard or a tweet or a sentence. I do. I think it's that it's believe women. When a woman says she can't be a mother to this baby at this time, believe her. I think it's about trust. I think it's about trusting women and understanding that this is a fundamental health right and actually it has nothing to do with the law. I agree. But I do think that these discussions are really important. I think that the point on trauma is important too because Jenny Leong, who wrote for us, she's an MP who's been extremely instrumental in this process. She's made a great point that for a lot of women, the trauma comes from attempting to access these abortions and being denied or knowing that it's a criminal act. And there was a woman in New South Wales not that long ago, had five children, accessed an abortion and was convicted of a crime. There was a doctor, I think in 2006, who gave the abortion pill to one of his patients and that doctor was convicted of a crime so this isn't actually something that's entirely philosophical and idealistic Mm. this is affecting lives and we know from the united states that this is a slippery slope if we do not decriminalize this and make some serious headway now then there's nothing stopping us from kind of stamping down on abortion and making it harder and harder for women All the evidence shows 70% of people, not just women in New South Wales, want abortion decriminalised. That is such a resounding majority that I really resent the fact that people are playing politics with this and using it as a way to either grandstand or advance themselves politically or make some point about freedom of speech. You know, people want this in the same way that they wanted same-sex marriage and and marriage equality was legislated. We need to just get it done. So where we're at at the moment is that the Premier of New South Wales, uh, Gladys Berejiklian, originally stated her support for this bill. She said, as I was saying a couple of weeks ago, everybody thought this was pretty much going to be a done deal. Um, But she is now, and everybody is saying under pressure from her party and from the right flank of her party and from people like Barnaby Joyce, who isn't even a New South Wales MP, as noted, agreed to delay it while the amendments to it get further debated. It now looks unlikely there'll be a decision on it before September, but it is going into the upper house next week. So what Barnaby Joyce has been asking people to do in those robocalls, and if he calls your phone, (laughs) I don't know, try not to throw it because that will just end up costing (laughs) you money. But like, I really wish there was a message you could send to Barnaby about it. But anyway... Um, he is urging you to contact your local MP and, and obviously state your your opposition to the bill. And of course, um, as pro-choice organisation, we would like to state the opposite. Contact your local member. You can find easily online under the hashtags now that are trending that are vote pro-choice New South Wales and hashtag get it done. You can find a list of your legislative council members and find out where they stand on it. And there's even an email template that you can write and say, this is why I feel this way about it. Please let you know. Because the thing is, is the pro-choice side of this argument does have the numbers. The pro-life side might have the momentum uh, momentum and the emotive arguments and Barnaby Joyce. But the pro-choice side does have the numbers. As Mia said, 70% of people in New South Wales want this done. The sky won't fall. 
it will not be the end of the world. It will be very little will actually change except that the women who are accessing abortions around New South Wales in a myriad of circumstances will no longer be considered criminals and be the last women in Australia to be considered that. Can I also suggest that people follow OBOC, Our Bodies, Our Choice, on Instagram and please amplify these messages because politicians look at social media. You might not be able to get to a protest in the street and particularly if you don't live in New South Wales, but everybody's watching this debate in New South Wales. It's really been seen as a microcosm of public opinion on this issue and if you believe that women's bodies should be our own to choose what happens inside them and what we do with them and that people like Barnaby Choice, Barnaby Choice, I just called him, (laughs) Barnaby Joyce should not be deciding what we do with our bodies. I think he's got quite enough going on in his own life. He should maybe just focus uh, at home. Um, Please amplify these messages, retweet, use the hashtag, repost images from OBOC and um, let's get this done. I think as well all women's bodies at the moment feel like a battleground and for women who have accessed abortion and are feeling attacked right now and are feeling as though their bodies and their choices have been put on the political agenda, then we're obviously standing in solidarity with you and the choices that you made and I think women need to look after each other at the moment because uh, it, it can feel not so good when politicians are saying you've done something pretty awful. <laughs> 